right, what's going on, guys? Nate Phillips with another episode of the Pokey Talk Podcast. What's going on? Hey, not too much. It's going to be a unique episode in a way, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, a little more chill one. We're talking about kind of the social media side of the hobby and its influence, um, positives and negatives it's had yeah. over the couple years here. Um, kind of expressed myself in the last episode. I'm kind of feeling some burnout. Um, and a lot of it is social media related. So I'm kind of seeing the downsides of it here lately. But yeah, we're going to be talking all about that. Um, definitely has some good sides, definitely have some bad sides. So we'll cover them all. But yeah, what have, uh, what have you been up to since last time? Well, I'm edging a lot of photos, obviously, from New York. You know, there's thousands of photos I took. It would have been less if I could use a tripod in a lot of places, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but uh, essentially, it's quite a few edits, and, like, I'm kind of, like, from a fine art train from college. I have a minor in art photography. So I basically, it's quite the process I do when it comes to my photo edits. So some can take a while, but I have some tourist photos, which I just bang, 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 bang. I just do a lot of quick things to make it really quick. And then I just, the actual photos are fine art based. I will give a lot of time and it can take like 30 minutes for a photo sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's what I'm doing. It's a daunting task ahead of me. I'm only 60 photos in and I'm like a fifth of the way through just the non architectural shots. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be some time, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I'm just getting excited for guns and roses this weekend, Bob Dylan next month. So, you know, yeah, pretty cool. Getting to see some shows. Yeah, some legends, honestly, of music, American music. So I'm, it's is this is pretty huge for me. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I haven't really been into much. Just had some friends visiting this weekend. Just really relaxing. But yeah, that's another another thing that's kind of taking me out of the hobby. Been trying to hang out with some people here and there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just overall a little bummed with the hobby, especially after Worlds. Um, we can go ahead and hop on into the news, and then we'll kind of touch sure. on that later. But, yeah, it is. Uh, there's not much to be excited for in the hobby as far as new things in the last two weeks. Um, you know, Worlds is wrapped up and all done. We talked about that last time. And pretty much, you know, it's it's nice to be over with. Um, you do see a lot of like, I don't know, things kind of go back to normal after worlds, you know, there's not as much exciting stuff. Um, but that makes sense. You know, they're trying to announce a lot of stuff. They announce a lot of stuff at the worlds themselves and then you got all the new products. So yeah, I just think we're heading into a little lull in the hobby. Yeah. Um, it probably will ramp back up again a little closer to holidays, but yeah, I expect around you know when their holiday stuff starts coming out, they're already revealing some of that. <laughs> yep. So it won't be long. We'll be having yeah. the holiday stuff. You um, gotta have ebb and flows, though, right? Like this is kind of something I've learned from several things, but obviously playing Pokemon Go, just like especially coming back, you gotta have ebb and flows. It's okay to play hard sometimes, or you know, go hard in the hobby, but you have to have downtime. And venture into other hobbies, other interests, whatever, or else you're gonna get burnt out. Yep. And that's kind of like part of my problem too. It's like you know, I pretty much anything else that I've had, I've like sold off and put into Pokemon, so it mm -hmm. does better for my Pokemon hobby. But it really, 
doesn't allow me to escape anywhere else. But uh, yeah, the making video parts kind of satisfy me a little bit, but haven't yeah, really been motivated uh, with that a lot though. I was say, a lot of your hobbies involve collectionists of some sort, even if it isn't Pokemon, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so you're never more than arm's reach away figuratively from and literally from being within the hobby and sometimes like for me i got like photography obviously that's been one of my main things separate from from everything else and that allows me to sometimes escape and then someday sometimes i get so deep in thought that i forget what day it is <laughs> as i'm meditating seriously um so like you need to have those areas of escape which is key honestly just with it to be able to have this nice um cathartic release Mm -hmm. yeah i need to find something like that i guess technically it is doing the video thing and not just pokemon videos but i like doing normal videos like day-to-day stuff and editing those so i need to get back into that for a little escapism because like Yeah. yeah editing videos does that for me but if i'm editing pokemon videos it's not really much of a release or a break but no but yeah for uh the news itself this time around um like we said not much there's a little bit with the upcoming japanese set which will be called raging surf Um, (laughs) yeah this is just another like kind of half set for japan that's going to release on september 22nd it's going to be incorporated into our Paradox Rift on the English side, which comes out in November. So it's going to be one of the two sets that make up that set for us. Um, Some pretty, of the cards, I would say it's they're keeping with the trend. Of like the simplicity? Yeah, to an extent. I actually made a note of that. Um, and they are to an extent. That doesn't mean it's bad, like this tenure from Raging Surf. Um, I like how they focus on the color with this Pokemon, and I really like the aesthetic of it. But like, then you have some of them, like, for example, the hand tyke. There's a lot of detail in that one. Mm-hmm. But then you have, obviously, like the other ones they showed, the Minoon Plusel and the, the Vettel. Like, they incorporate a lot of more colors and less focus on detail at times, which uh, it seems to be a style of a lot of car- of their full art cards, which isn't bad. It's just I can't help but notice that trend. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, like Veltol, like kind of in the, the Y pose and just yeah. got like a lot of swirls around him. Looks really cool, but yeah, yeah it exactly. is a little basic. Then you have He's Garchomp like, kind of doing the same thing, but mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work as well because it's yeah. a lot more like the colors just aren't there. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, they, they're definitely, I feel like, playing with some stuff, which isn't a bad thing. Like, after having where we were with Sword and Shield, like, we felt like we were all about to blow, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like, where it was going. It's like, oh, my God, look at that four. Yeah. Uh, like I feel like like you you've mentioned multiple times, but like a cool down period was necessary, and they're they're starting off with a very at times minimalist approach at times with some of their style. Yeah, the cool art's there, and they're trying not to overdo it, which makes sense. But yeah, it's still still there to some extent. Um, 
yeah, the plus soul and minimum in this set and Mantike are pretty good. Um, yeah, a little more detail there, but yeah, I, I can definitely see what you're talking about. But uh, the uh, Minior, I do really like what they did with that with all the colors because yeah. he does come in like all those colors. So it's they made like a meteor shower with and him. It's really and, cool, yeah. Yeah. It, it's got the simple but like targeted mm-hmm. look to that. That's why sometimes it works. There was, I think, a Clefairy last set, which was kind of eh, or Clefable or whatever it was. I wasn't really impressed by it. Mm-hmm. Where it was just like the one out on the lake or something. Yeah, yeah. That's I just that comes to mind. I was like, eh. it was really cool, but yeah, it was definitely uh, way more simple. But I I did like that one though. Oh, you did. But well, if we could I say anything. <laughs> Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, there was the Path to the Peak little mini series, I would call it, um, for Pokemon, where mm-hmm. it's just a little animated series showing this one kid's journey to worlds. Um, yeah, just kind of showing off the organized play program in a little lighthearted way and them winning the trophy and all that. Um, Ishihara's got his own little character in there handing over the trophy. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. It's definitely geared towards obviously the younger audience, the animation style, the, you know, 10 to 12 or whatever age range that it's in. And I think that's great because they're obviously trying to get more people to play. I feel like they're kind of seeing like, you know, we're getting a lot of people are coming to these. A lot of people still play the world tournaments. It's become quite the spectacle, but they know that they have a huge selection of their player base that are collectors. They need more players. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely want to ramp up the play aspect of it. I feel like, um, especially with Lorcana coming in and taking some play, which is why I, I'm, I'm curious with, uh, with that, how they're going to trend with some of their exposure, some of their media. Um, we've mentioned before how some of the things we would like to see Pokemon do is increase their media um exposure mainly like you know movies like i'm not talking about their movies that they make on a dime budget with a script that an eight-year-old made and you just pass it off as a theatrical release i'm talking (laughs) i I know that sounds bad but like having watched a lot of the movies a lot of the movies good guys trying to steal all the pokemon let's stop them here comes team rocket trying yeah. to mess things up and sometimes it's still a bit different like there's a few that stand out to me like the hoopa unleashed and or unbound or whatever it was and a few a few other ones like the rcs one stood out to me um the jewel of life i think it was but like a lot of them are just mundane and boring and now you have all these franchises especially with one piece now like i haven't actually watched it one piece i i've tried so many times to watch the anime i can't even mention it but a lot of a lot of fans are absolutely obsessed with it. They loved where it was at, and now this is huge because the connotations it, it could mean towards not just you know Pokemon, but like Dragon Ball Z. But well, Dragon Ball Z is besides the point. But the thing is, Netflix and Pokemon already have this partnership. So I mean, it's not too far to think could we see something that could potentially bridge the gap to more audiences and 
something that ne- takes away Pokemon from just being a kid's thing. Yeah. Yeah, and with One Piece coming to Netflix, um, from what I heard of the people who watched it early on, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was uh, pretty good from what I hear. It, yeah. it shows promise, but I did see something. I'm looking it up right now about Pokemon. Like, they had an agreement with Japanese TV. Um, let me see exactly what it is, but uh, they... They essentially like have a live action Pokemon show that's in the works to premiere this fall. Interesting. So, but yeah. now is it going to be like the Detective Pikachu, where it's it's pretty fun and cute, like with the Pokemon in the universe, but it falls apart in the third act. Uh, I you mean, it'll like probably fall apart, but <laughs> at some point. But it's uh, apparently based around a Japanese actress, uh, okay. Nanase. Nishino, who plays a new college grad and struggles, older. yeah, good. struggles to click into a new job in new city. Her mother spends her or sends her a care package that includes a Game Boy and Pokemon Red, and that's where her new adventure begins. As she reunites Ooh. with the game she hasn't played since childhood. Interesting. So that's it's very interesting. Yeah, it's almost like it's not even a live action like with actual pokemon it's almost like a story of this real person struggles through life and how they connect with pokemon well you see that's what we've kind of mentioned before that pokemon needs to expand on not just focus on actual canon you know how with dc and marvel they have yeah you got comic canon right but then you got live action canon it's a whole other universe yeah. So this fixation of Pokemon trying to make everything into this one universe, they're besides a the point when they could have it to where, I mean, I'm not trying to say multiverse of Pokemon. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you don't have to stick to this one um, iteration of Pokemon in all forms of media, including live action. And they kind of changed it a little bit with the Detective Pikachu. They changed it up a little bit, right? Uh, by introducing a whole new area, city or whatever. And they can continue that. And it would be really interesting if they make it, I don't know. That could be, they could take that written route to really interesting places, but I doubt they will. Yeah, it seems like it's a show about Pokemon's nostalgia in our generation. Yeah. yeah so not like really about the, Pokemon itself, but yeah, yeah I, I do really want to check it out. Yeah, for sure. It's the most promising out of everything. Like, it yeah. seems like it's not geared towards kids but geared towards like college kids who are like young adults yeah Yeah. young adults and i think that's interesting because if you make that connection of how you know somehow in this mind or imagination Mm -hmm. then you can kind of you kind of show that connection and you have the pokemon become real and they while you can make the whole thing like while they're not necessarily real but we believe that we believe that they are an actual thing that we created so in a sense they are real because we created them and we believe in them and you can kind of make that it, it can be really interesting from an artistic and story standpoint if that's kind of the, the route you go and they use this to connect to other people and in, in the world and yeah that's that's where it can be really interesting but i'd be shocked if they go that route yeah even the subtitle is like the new series follows a young woman impacted by the power of game boy yeah so it's like it probably follows this girl's story and then like she found her power through like the nostalgia of the game boy yeah but 
something along those lines. But yeah, should be cool to see. See what else we got on news. I mean, there's not really much. Uh, I was no. going to say there were new cards shown off in the <laughs> Pack to the Peak show. Um, people were wondering if those were actually going to be real cards. Like there was like a new Vileplume mm-hmm. art, new Oddish art. I just think they just made some generic cards just for the show. Um, so, yeah, I don't really expect those to be real cards. So <laughs> no, I mean they look they look like real enough cards, but yeah, they're just just filler <laughs> cards for the show. Yeah, they did reveal a 2023 holiday calendar set. Um, yeah, this, these are the calendars that come out each year with the little snowflake um, emblem, and they're all hollows. But yeah, there's like a Pikachu, a Stantler, and then the rest are like water types. Um, Glaceon is in there. Alolan Vulpix V. Um, not too exciting there. It's just promos that are within that box. And usually it's like a, a box for each day in December. You open a box and it has a little something. And then, you know, these eight cards are sprinkled throughout as well. But nothing too exciting there. And I think that's pretty much about it with the news, unless you have something else. Uh, Let's see. No, I just had that they... Reveal the Charizard EX Holiday 10. You know, they have to have a Charizard piece for this holiday. Milk that cash cow Pokemon. Milk it. <laughs> yeah. Do a Charizard special box with all three EXs in it. Oh, yeah. What are we investing them for? <laughs> yeah. I bet it'll be hundreds of dollars on the secondary market, too. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah. it's uh... Yeah, I'm sure we'll see something. There yeah. was, I think, actually, there was something that I saw. Let me let me double check this, but you know, we might be joking, but I think I literally did see something. Well, there's the, I mean, there is the holiday EX10, but yeah, fall they, 2023 yeah. collector's chest 10. And I think they do have. Uh, they're also having the Charizard, um, not a UPC, but like a premium collection. I think for fall for the mm. English. I haven't seen that, but I, I yeah, I remember seeing it on Pokey Beach. I'd have to scroll back to find it, but yeah, this see. is a this is a little tin. It has the uh, it has the new starters on it, the last evolutions. But on the other side, of course, it has Charizard, you know, terrestrialized on the side. It comes with a terrestrialized Charizard coin and a Charizard binder, and they <laughs> yeah. Charizard sticker sheet, I think. So, yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's in October. That's the our, UX Premium Collection is, is in October. I gotcha. The one I'm looking at, this whole 10, is November 17th. Yeah. Just a little crappy 10, but it's a cool little lunchbox like type thing. Just like the ones. Yeah, it's like the RCS ones, I think. Yeah. But anyway, I guess with that, we'll hop on to the main topic. Um, like we said, this might be a little shorter one, but that is A-OK. It's more of a chill episode, a little light episode. But uh, yeah, social media's influence in the hobby. And uh, yeah, where do we even start with this? <laughs> where? Um, you know, you've mentioned we can start in the time before time uh, when it comes to YouTube. And 
I know you've mentioned it used to be very different within the hobby with social media and trading and forums and all that. Maybe just start there. Yeah, the uh, so what it used to be, you know, there was not much hype in Pokemon. You were the odd man out for doing it. Um, yeah, I essentially really got back in and focused collecting in 2011, I would say. Um, before then, though, I would go to Walmart with some friends, you know, buy like the three blister packs because those were the ones that seemed like you got hits in more. So, yeah, a lot of extra money was just casually spent walking into Walmart, you know, while I was in high school, buying packs. Um, I did mention before, I still saw EX, like, it was kind of those things you see today where it's like, here's a stack of 20 Pokemon cards, like, for $10. Like, you know you're not going to get anything good in there. It's just like a third-party product. Um, that's how it was with like EX packs. You'd go and like Secret Wonders, let's say, was the pack that was out at the time. So you'd have Secret Wonders out, which is Diamond and Pearl, I believe. And then you'd have like these old EX packs. It's like four EX packs for $10 because nobody wanted the old packs anymore. So these third parties was like just trying to sell off, you know, four packs for 10 bucks, just random EX packs that nobody wanted back then. Um, so yeah, that's the time I came into a hobby. It was, it was a really nice chill time. You could pretty much collect what you wanted. I remember base set Charizards for good conditions. Like the going rate was like 20 bucks for a really good one. Um, so you could buy those all day. I remember even having the thought like, man, just every time I buy cards, like I'm going to buy one Charizard because you know, everyone loves Charizard. Wish I would have stuck to that plan, but it didn't work out that well <laughs> because I was obviously trying to build my collection at the time. But that's one loud water bottle. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I was just building the collection at the time. I had a binder that I was trying to do all the secret rares in. So all the shinings, all the gold stars, they all had like a place in my binder. And, like, the crystal cards just made that goal seem unrealistic back then. They were very expensive at, like, $50 a piece. And you were just wondering, like, how am I ever going to complete this binder? So that's the mindset a lot of people had. There was no social media influence outside of the very small amount of YouTubers. Leonhart was around, Real Breaking Nate was around, Super Duper mm-hmm. Danny was around very lightly. Um, the the king of the YouTubers was Primetime Pokemon. He would make a video every day of him opening packs. Sometimes it'd be three packs. Um, sometimes it'd be a booster box. But every day he had a little opening video. It's like, hey YouTube, this is Primetime Pokemon. Today I'm opening three packs. And he'd open the three packs and... That was the video, <laughs> you know, and the thumbnail was just him holding the three packs. Um, probably didn't even make custom thumbnails back then, but not the open face. Certainly. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not the O face and hype, hype eyes and all that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's how the hobby was for a long time, all the way up until 2016. I feel like, 
Um, 2016 hype with Pokemon Go and Evolutions did see some change. You started seeing, you know, more videos and people opening booster boxes for fun. Um, and that's pretty much how it was up until 2020. I mean, it's really hard to imagine that time now because it's just been going so hard the last three years. But, I mean, it really is insane to think about. Like, just in 2019, there wasn't really much happening. Like, we thought it was crazy then, but it was nothing compared to what is today. Um, so long story short, I definitely think 2020 and all the hype is the turning point for the hobby. Um, we'll explain this a little more, but I don't think we're ever going to go back to that time. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. It's what sports cards have been for a while. So Pokemon has just become that everyone knows, you know, how to make money in the hobby now or wants to try so everyone's got their hand in it um and and that's and i think a part like you kind of said like it's not going anywhere and i agree i think pretty much everybody's going to agree and the money's obviously the reason why yes people love this hobby you and i included a lot of our people even people that make money again you and i included and whether you make money to try to make a business or you make money to try to level up, which is pretty much what we do. Well, we're not a business. But we make, you know, side money maybe, and then we'll go ahead and try, try to level up in terms of cards. But the aspect is if you have this money, it's always going to include people, especially people who are doing things you probably don't like. And I think one way or another, whether if it's, it's not necessarily met, you know, maliciously, yeah. but whether for better or for worse, there's always going to be the aspect from social media influencers, that money driven aspect. And now this is kind of, well, this can be kind of, you know, extrapolated for anything, any news, any medium is what is this individual's agenda? What is this individual trying to do? What are they trying to sell? Why are they trying to sell it? What's the purpose? You know, you have those aspects to consider and, ultimately for a lot of these big social social media influencers this is their job Mm -hmm. they have a personal liability when it comes to making sure they get people to keep on watching sometimes for whatever the cost yeah and that was the the biggest shift you know youtube has kind of been heading that way for a while um we really just saw it come into Pokemon and Pokemon as far as YouTube goes is very underdeveloped still. Mm-hmm. Um, you could really like, if you really want to make a channel and put the time to make like insanely quality videos, I mean, that would, that would be a pretty good gig. You know, there's a couple people starting to do it, but um, if you made like these vlog styles where you go to card shows and you have a mic on you and you're wheeling and dealing like, I watch a lot of sports channels just because they do that. Like I love just the nature of the hobby, wheeling and dealing, yeah. and, and I, like the that that's why I follow a lot of sports guys because they do it really well. It's a really fleshed out YouTube space, and Pokemon mm-hmm. could definitely benefit from going there a little more. Which takes effort and knowledge regarding to not just the market but the hobby. Um, now compare that to, to a lot of areas of Pokemon, well, what did we see 
after 2020, during the pandemic, or during 2020 in the pandemic. We saw a plethora of pop-up imitate channels that offered no nothing different from what the big YouTubers were doing, like Poke Red with the pack openings, you know, name your person. You got your pack opening, you got your market side. Those are the two demographics, I feel like, when it comes to Pokemon YouTube, when it comes to the TCG. Yeah. And a lot of people, because they lack knowledge of the market or enough to be, there are some people that did make YouTube channels, I'm not going to name them, that don't have the market knowledge, but they pretend like they do. And there is some of that, and they gained a lot, lot of followers from the, there were certain ones that were able to build a strong community around that, and that was impressive, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, you just got to put in the work and be consistent. If you're right mm-hmm. or wrong, people will watch you just because, even if you're wrong and you don't know what you're talking about, people will likely watch you more because they will make fun of you and like watch you for that reason. Um, so it's just a weird world we live in. I've noticed like a lot of the people like me, like we enjoy making videos, but we don't go above and beyond because we're just doing the videos out of like self-interest. Like we're just putting the knowledge out there. Um, you know, they're usually pretty boring videos. Like I'll get on there and show my pickups and talk about how I got them. I, I don't make a thumbnail where my face is like wide open trying to eat like the biggest turkey Yo! leg of all time. <laughs> so, you it's know, like, the, the views and stuff aren't there, but I'm yeah. just, I'm real. I'm just like expressing the knowledge in like a normal way. If you met me in person, I'd probably say the exact same thing in the exact same way. So I don't really care to like do all that extra work to benefit from that. Um, a lot of us could probably make some good videos and no doubt make a living off it. But if you're in the hobby and been in for like as long as we have, it, it just, it's all secondary to you. Like the love for the hobby and the collecting part is number one. So that's, that's the biggest difference. So, you know, Rev has been in the hobby a long time. But, you know, as as far as a YouTube scene, he kind of just started right before the hype. So he hasn't been there in the long haul and he's became the biggest. So the biggest YouTubers you see are the new guys, like relatively new guys who just, you know, come in with a business focus above all mm-hmm. else, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the older guys like Rusty, TCA Gaming, his he still makes videos. He's not going to lie, he's pretty dry, but probably one of the most knowledgeable guys in the hobby. And and he seems like a real person or a genuine person. That's what I like about yeah. him. And that's where I think a lot of content is going. Like we can go ahead and talk about like the younger generation. Like it's it's almost like civilization being like more woke or so call it in the internet age, you know, people take stuff for granted a lot of times before then, but now people are like more likely to call BS out or not believe what they see on the news. And, you know, maybe when YouTube was a thing, people clicked on those videos because, Ooh, he's, he's looking excited and it does get more clicks, but people are starting to think another layer ahead of that. Like, Oh, well, 
look at this thumbnail. This guy's fake, so I'm going to take his video with a grain of salt. And why does he have to yell all the time? You know, I think the younger generation is, like, thinking about that. And you might not get as big making boring videos, but the people you gain with those boring videos are more likely to stick with you and like you for who you are and not really, like, you know, the video type. Um. I'm sure people like Rev and them and Lee and Hart are totally different in person, and I'm sure they're really likable, but if you meet them on the street and you see their videos, that is two separate people, <laughs> and totally fine and understandable because it's their job and they're putting in all that effort because it's their job. Um, I just think people are craving a more genuine experience, and... You know, I think that because that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, one of my favorite YouTubers is Catch 'Em All Collectibles. He does, yeah. you know, weekly live streams. It's just him talking. Pretty boring for people on the outside of the hobby, but that's who I like to listen to. He's very relatable because he's just talking. And if I met him in person, he'd be exactly the same. Like I know, mm -hmm. I know him pretty well. Like he would, he would be that guy that you see in the video. So, yeah, uh, I think Pokemon Market or Catch 'em All Collectibles. <laughs> uh, I think he provides a great service to the hobby. Um, again, a little more of the drier aspect, but so he provides detailed analysis and numbers, which a lot of the community like to see. Um, I love some spreadsheets. That's for sure. It's not. It's not opinion based like you have with a lot of this, which is where a lot of things get in trouble and where you get for people just spewing whatever the hell they want and people believe in it because people don't, they, it's the people love the confirmation bias. Um, but he provides a detailed analysis. Now I do watch his videos. I don't watch them as much as you do. Um, but that's really more because I minimize my social media content as a whole. Yes, I do use social media daily, but it's how I try to utilize different ones to keep my, um, to keep it my appetite at a minimal amount. Because from my experience, the more you use social media, the inevitability, something will happen where a toxic conversation comes up. Yeah. I, I just feel like, but if you keep well, it's it It's definitely at, the types of social media too. Like, yeah, I agree. You might, be, I agree. you might be on there less, but you spend a lot of time on the old Facebooks. I do, but I also just do a quick post. And I, what I follow a lot are a lot of meme groups and cat groups. I've made it to where I don't follow basically the more toxic stuff that I used to. Like I used to follow a lot of the news, and I would get, I would get very angry, and I would share a lot of that. Um, while I do use it, I also use Reddit even more. But And I use Discord a little bit. But yeah, I don't use Instagram that much. But I do keep it to where I keep my interaction with other people to as minimal as possible. Yeah. So, because that, and it's inevitably somebody's going to, has to make a comment, something stupid, something to try to start an argument. It happens on FB, but I ignore it. I don't get involved yeah. into it. It's not worth the energy. It, Facebook can be a great and time killing uh, media, social media, if you use it right and just stay away from like, just like most things, the comment sections, yeah. anything. Just, you know, don't follow your news. I, I stopped following a lot of news sites, and I just get my news on, on my own. 
So it was able to really kill it. But anyways, what I was getting at with the social media influences is the market is big enough to have multiple aspects with multiple different niches you can find. And I, I know it's kind of a strange comparison, but I would compare it to comic books in some way. Just for example, comic books, like, oh, it's superhero stories. And yes, it is. But there's genres within comics for any reader for any reason possible. And I think as the hobby expanded with 2020 and with Pokemon, you start seeing that now as people are becoming more educated within the hobby. People are getting older. They're looking at it from a different lens. And you're, you're getting those individuals that are more going to be willing to seek out somebody like catch them all collectibles or squeaks when he made videos, you know, those as you mature, I feel like you're attracted to those sorts of people, but that doesn't mean you can't still enjoy. Um, I don't want to say mind numbing moments, but that's what it is with pack openings. Yeah. You can still enjoy it. It's entertainment. You know, that's essentially what it is. It's entertainment. Yeah. I watched a bunch of Lorcana openings here recently. Um, yeah, for my social media though, I'm I am on Instagram a lot. It is very surface level. Um, I do kind of like that though. Yeah. Um, Facebook for what it is. I mean, it can have a lot of groups, but I mean, I kind of think that's one of the more toxic places. Yeah. For sure. Um, it definitely can be. I agree. I agree. But I like I also even outside of the hobby, I don't really frequent there. Like I never post. I hardly ever open it up. Um. Yeah, pretty much like when my wife posts a picture of us and the kids and she'll tag me in it, and that's how people find out what I'm doing on there. So it's usually through one of her posts. But, yeah, I like Instagram. It is very surface level. Um, That has its own problems with people flexing and showing things off. Um, I really want to start focusing mine on maybe more educational posts. Like, here's this card. Here's the distribution for this card. Like, you know, little known facts and maybe like a personalized story of how I got the card. And stuff like that. Make it a little more personal rather than like, sometimes you just gotta bust the king out of its cage. And then show a picture of first edition Jarzard. You know, you're just fishing for the to likes and just making a post just because, you know, that's the stuff I don't really care for. But, yeah, YouTube in a way, though, outside, you know, it is what it, you make it. You know, I follow a lot of people like Catch em All and, you know, old school Pokemon and SM Pratt and people like those yeah. who just kind of talk and they're not, you know, doing the crazy faces, trying to get big, um, just talking knowledge essentially so a lot of those um i like i do like youtube the most because those videos are i mean a lot of those videos are like three hours long sometimes but you can listen to those in the background while you're doing other things or i can have it up while i'm you know playing a game or something like i can uh, like youtube is like my main form but it's always like in the background for the most part but, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how it's changed back when, you know, I first got into the hobby and made my original Pokemon channel. That's like non-existent now. You would essentially make videos to show your trade binders and openings. And that's basically it. And on the trade binder videos, you could like privately message on YouTube back then. 
So people would send you a message like, hey, I, I want this card and check out my trade binder to see if anything that you like. And, you know, you, you check out their trade binder video and then you guys work out a trade and then you literally send cards through the mail. Totally trust system. And that was how it worked back then. Every time you did a trade, you made a video. Here's a TCBM, a, t- a trade cards by mail. So this is what I'm sending to, you know, Trollazard. <laughs> and then Trollazard is sending me this in return. You make a video, they make a video. You send it through the mail, and then you open it up on camera, and then you guys give each other a little shout-out. That's how the world worked. <laughs> so it was it was definitely different, but shout-out to uh, Trollazard as well. He was an old old-school person that a lot of people don't really... I bet a lot of people haven't even heard of him, but uh, yeah, he was he was an OG as well. He's still lurking around in the shadows. He's quite the uh, quite the crazy guy, but <laughs> it'd be it'd be funny if he started making videos again. I remember like I shouted him out because he had like this crazy video for back in the day. He had like his name was Trollazard. Chip was his. Name IRL. Yeah, if you type in like Trollazard on YouTube, he might pop up. But he he had a binder video back in the day of like, he made a post like 300 Charizards and counting. And he had a 360 card binder all loaded up with um, Charizards. And he had like every language first edition Charizard just chilling in a binder. And he had, like, a whole page of Shining Charizard first editions, which, you know, back then they were, like, $100 a piece. But those were, like, insane. It was, like, insane to see that binder back then. But, uh, yeah, he looks like he still has his uh, YouTube channel there. He's got 494 subscribers. But, yeah, he was a OG. Tons of like smaller YouTubers like that that were around and trading with each other. Nobody had more than like 500 subscribers. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, for me it's sad to see what it's become. I haven't really given in to those channels like I've said but for new people coming in like that's what they're watching obviously you know Pokey Rev being the biggest a lot of kids coming into the hobby I'm sure that's where a lot of them funnel to and you definitely see that influence at card shows now all the all the kids want to open their cards and just go nuts and modern still being king yeah there's a meme out there of like a influencer opening up a Charizard and then just, them just screaming their head off, <laughs> you know, which, you know, I wonder honestly, how long can some of that exist with that attitude? I, 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 I mentioned before how it's a lot of it is there allows you to have a different entertainment. Like sometimes you want to watch sports. Sometimes you want to watch, uh, and a dramatic documentary. Sometimes you want to watch an actual film, you know, but I just don't understand how these people can, some of these guys can just have, you know, six figure views with just pack opening. Yeah. That, that kind of blows me away. Um, I think some of it is living vicariously, but I, 
I, I just don't know. Like, it's so mind-numbing, but then again, I watch four scenes of Yu-Gi-Oh! So, you know, I, I, I understand it. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it is, like you said, escapism. They don't want to have to sit down and listen to a three-hour video or even a ten-minute video where it, like, requires thought or they don't want to listen to SM Pratt analyze the market because then they're thinking about the market. They just want to sit down and watch a 10-minute pack opening video, and they just want to see the cards. And, you know, not going to lie, even during the hype when everyone was watching it, I tuned into a few PokeRev openings just to have too. on to the background. You know, it's yep. just it's cool to have in the background sometimes. Yeah. I would open, and I would turn on PokeRev because I thought it was kind of fun. Yep. But, I don't know. A lot of people will be thinking, like we're thinking, though, um, I think those channels will still do great. Um, obviously, the growth has slowed down naturally with the hobby slowing down. Um, they will continue to grow, like a lot of those Leonhearts and Pokey Rev. They're just big enough now where they just grow no matter what. They just have yeah. to be consistent and, you know, stay with the trends. But, yeah, it's just interesting to see. Like I said, I think a lot of the younger generation, it's it's always fun in games for a while, but then you kind of get tired of it and you need a little more in-depth situation. Um, yeah, I still feel like a lot of people haven't capitalized on the knowledge of the hobby. Um, or, you know, signatures are a big thing. Nobody really understands when signatures happen, what artists are actually rare signatures how many things they have signed how many events they've done um i know swolepoke in another video i think one of radar's videos he was talking about how he might try to expand videos into like the world of signatures but that's like an untapped market so i don't well know. like i was looking right now there's a somebody with a it's a mario pikachu i think the it's an auto 10 it might be an auto 10 PSA 10. Um, and I was like, okay, who's the signature? And it was Charles Martinet. And I was like, that's, I feel like there's a certain naivety with that. Or maybe just like, that's such somebody who doesn't quite is still kind of an experience, but has a lot of money because most people aren't going to want the Charles Martinet signature on that card they're yeah. gonna want cookies high toe a unless you have both if you get both then that's neat but just the one and i would almost suggest it might decrease the value of the card unless you find the right buyer it would in my eyes like yeah i wouldn't want that either i'd rather have exactly. the artist yeah now if it was both they were talking about some, I think, more serious money, but you still got to find the right, right collector. But if it's got both, that's that's pretty cool. I will admit. Um, but that's the thing. Try, try to I imagine there's probably only one or two that even has both. Um, but you talk about people being more knowledgeable in the hobby. And that's true. Like people know stuff with the Japanese Pokemon uh, cards and like the promos and all that, and where the where the values at. But I also still think there's some naivety when it comes to how the market can work and how it will work for higher-end cards like that. Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of inexperience there 
because a lot of these people, a lot of these businesses, whatnot, streamers popped up post-pandemic, post-hype. So they came in during that time frame. Now, did they do their, their research on a lot of these cards? Maybe. I'm sure they, they you do pick up a lot if you're buying a lot of cards, too, because you have to know where they came from. But in terms of market trends, you're relatively inexperienced, mm-hmm. especially with buying niches and how buyer trends can change, all of that. And one thing we've learned from these shows is, yeah, you can get great value. That's something that one-off streamers have allowed us to have is great value, even po- po- during the Junk Slab era. But simultaneously, the people that are supporting a lot of these whatnot streamers, especially with their mystery boxes, they're not getting scammed. It's just they're preying off of, honestly, inexperience within the hobby, naivety or stupidity from some of their wall haunching base, like some of their viewer base. Like, oh, I got a $100 mystery box and, you know, I got two evolution slabs and they're or whatever. And they're saying that these slab is 25 bucks and it's like yeah if you can get that ship sure but a lot of times it's going to go under that you know that should that's just an example what i'm saying is you're not getting the most bang for your buck most of the times with these mystery boxes which has become post-pandemic a really big market and a way for a lot of these people to make money or they know those cards that they include in those boxes are like tanking in price, so they hurry up and get yeah. a product like that. Yeah, so, yeah, they, like yeah, they are that value, but they're going down. Like yeah, or which is where we get to something we haven't quite touched yet. We're we're talking about how, as I mentioned earlier, how the social media influencers might have an agenda, might have a prerogative to have to be making money because that's their jobs for a lot of these people. They're trying to make money. They're trying to make a name for themselves, even. And these mystery boxes are a trap. Yeah. Now, it's your money, obviously, and you feel good spending money. And at the end of the day, once you spent it, it is what it is. But continuing to, to spend this, like if you look at the people who are doing this, for a lot of the people, it's the younger aspect of the hobby. And there is a little part of that conversation, too, that we haven't touched on either about whatnot and all the thing going on with them right now. Yeah. Because, like, whatnot, me and you both have never really got into that. Um, we so, watched the Christmas Day opening of the first edition box from Logan Paul. Yeah, and that's like, <laughs> that's like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've deleted the app. I haven't had the app for a long time. I get it's a good platform for some things. Um, being a overflood of junk slabs and people looking to get cheap slabs, it's a very mm-hmm. quick and easy way to turn those. And it is a benefit for the hobby. It and is, I agree. And I think it, it's helping us through this time period mm-hmm. to like redistribute these cards. Um, whether or not those cards will ever gain value back or where they go after the sale and whatnot, who knows? They probably just go into someone's bedroom and rot away. Um, but yeah, the, like whatnot has a purpose. Um, people have taken that purpose and made things like these bounties, um, and stuff where you're like you, if you pay this much, you have a bounty for this card. If we pull this card, you win. And you know, it's like an alt art or something that's ridiculously hard to pull. And yeah, I, I don't know. There's, 
there's a whole world of whatnot there and those little side things with bounties and like special, you know, wheel games where you spin the wheel and all that situation has it's gambling. Yeah. And they are cracking down on that pretty hard. Um, I do know the controversy with uh, Blake's breaks on yep. whatnot. There has Here's been a I was lot of stuff. About. Yep. Um, so, yeah, there has been a huge crackdown with that. They did actually update their policy to negate all those bounties and stuff like that. So they're trying to make it a better place. I'm sure there's going to be something new that comes along, though. Um, where there are rules, there are people trying to negotiate the cracks. Yeah, um, I know he. I know he got kicked off, and whatnot. Um, but as somebody who's not incredibly familiar with the ins and outs, especially of whatnot, what exactly? And for those that might not be familiar with this aspect, that might be listening, what exactly did? Got get him banned. I think it it was some type of like technically scam he was doing on there. Yeah. But let me see if I can find the details because you know that's why I said me and you weren't really he was invested into the much. Cards. He was is what is what I thought was happening during these bounties. He was hiding. If if, if I'm not mistaken, that's how I understood it. Now I didn't. I was just reading on Reddit what people were frustrated with it about it and how I understood it was he was making it to where people that should be getting these cards weren't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a little complicated. It was very drawn out. People were like calling him out and then whatnot was like yeah, investigating it for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know all the ins and outs of the details cause I wasn't really yeah following it, but yeah, but he, he's not, he's not the first one. Nostalgic thrill. He, he got the boot. Yeah. Um, how many, I mean, there's been a lot of people, and that's that's kind of what we're saying. It's like, essentially, for a lot of whatnot, yes, it's cool, because it, it allows people to be involved in the hobby, and it is entertainment, but it's also like a shopping network for Pokemon cards in some ways, right? Behind, but now, you don't have a bunch of regulations with these people, it's just private entities, private individuals running these channels. And you don't know who that person is. You don't know how scummy they are. You don't know how much greed that, that they that they desire. For example, I mentioned how a lot of young people do it, but it's not all just younger people too. It's I know my stepdad. He's 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 like at sixty. He watches this with the whatnot streamers because you can get. I mean, he's smart about it because you can get great deals on it. Yeah. On whatnot, if you can if you can win the auction, obviously. There was a way, like, if, uh, yeah, there was a way, like, with the energies, I think it was, like, they had bounties for, like, guessing the energy or getting a certain energy, and I think there was a video where he was, he had the pack, like, or he had a pack on standby where he, like, knew what energy was in there, and he, he, like, had it palmed in his hand, and he acted like he was picking up the other pack, but for like half a second, it slides off screen and then he eh. like pulls it back. But he just pulled back the pack that he had palmed over the top of his, you know, other pack that he slid off screen. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of a lot of stuff like that. So it was. It's, and he was the ex-football player, right? I believe so. I, yeah, I didn't so that, did much all into that. But 
that, that that's what's un- unreal to me is he was already a millionaire before this from his contract probably came from a decent family even before them that had money and he was still trying to make more money more money like that's just greed yeah he was already making millions of dollars he, he made millions of dollars with this football contract i think it was over i think it was it was more than 10 million i mean after taxes whatever but then he even made even millions of dollars doing this like yeah. i don't i don't feel sorry for him because he should have plenty of money in the bank or in investments to easily start a real job if he had to but he's pretty much killed his career within the hobby with that with that stuff. Yeah. Because no nobody's going to trust you. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't know all the ins and outs, but there was a yeah. there was multiple things with that and bounties and yeah, it all it all came crashing down. Um, so yeah, if anyone knows like the full details, I'm sure they'll let us know in the comments. Yeah. But we, I mean, that goes to show that we felt that ick from whatnot. You know, this whole time, like we never really been involved with it. It just had some weird vibes. Um, but then again, that those aren't the cards or type of auctions that we're interested in. Um, and you can find most of these auctions for comparable prices on eBay. The yeah. only thing you're watching it for is entertainment purposes and get a gambling fix. Yeah, because you are you are facing a chase. You you're chasing a high. You you, you absolutely are. And some people, it's just kind of fun, but that's what they're doing. They're chasing that dopamine high that they give this. That's probably one of the main reasons why a lot of these folks who watch it and beyond the. And there's some folks that think they're supporting a cool guy and, you know, a person who they want to succeed. You know, these people, but most of the times, these people don't give a shit about you. Yeah. You know, like that. Like you're just a number to them. You know what I mean? And that's something where a lot of people, I think, either don't want to think about because it is kind of a more cynical point of view and perspective. Or they're too naive to consider otherwise. Yeah. That's another thing, too. I don't understand the culture of, like, people watching a whatnot or YouTube or Twitch streamer and, like, donating money just to have them, like, read their line of text. And it, uh, it like, yeah. it makes people like, ooh, he read my line of text. And it's like... Ooh, senpai noticed me. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, kind of gives those vibes, but it's like... <laughs> oh, he 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 acknowledged me. He read my text. Awesome. Which I think st- says more about mental illness in this country than anything else. Yeah, honestly. And I, you do I, get I, that honestly, that dopamine the, though. It's like, oh, you saw my comment. I I got exactly. I got read on the video. But it's like, okay, like yeah, maybe say something nice, cheer him up, or support him. You know, that's totally understandable. But I mean, some of these people just get ridiculous with that, and it's pretty pretty sad. And at the same time, I mean, I don't know, depends on what the cost is and how much somebody does it. But at that point, that's you should you should be you should be like, oh, put two and two together. Oh, this person's all about just trying to make money. Yeah. Like now a Patreon makes sense, right? Like you, you they, this guy's given time with you, but he wants to have a little bit of payment for it for his for their knowledge. And that's completely I mean, we have that we've had that and the Western society for millennia paying for somebody's time and service. So that to me is just a relationship right there, like a business relationship or like, you know, and yeah. whatever you want to call it, but that there's a certain, now if that person's taken advantage of that, that's a different story, but we don't see as much of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, cause it's time. behind the paywall too. I'm sure there's that, a, that, lot that of, too. a lot of I bad mean, things, but yeah, but the, a lot of the people who I kind of think about when it come to mind with that is like a, S and Pratt. Yeah. 
and I think with him, you get somebody that's literally been in the hobby. Like he might have left for four years, I think, something like that. And he came back like 2005. I mean, somebody that has been in the hobby for that long, there's very few people that can say that. Very few. So there's a certain knowledge and experience there with market trends and Pokemon TCG history and with how it influences with actual reality. And I, I think there's that there's general knowledge. And, you know, he has these great videos he makes. And then he also has this Patreon where you get you can pick his brain a little bit more. And I, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty good setup. Um, Catch them all has their own Patreon with uh, nostalgics or like like couple guys run running in that Discord. And there there's a setup pretty good too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely a weird world. I do like the Patreon system where if you like, yeah, really want to offer like a little extra service for supporters, like that'd be pretty cool. But there's a uh... Another one that came off my mind was Pokonomics, but yeah, he hasn't posted anything in a long time. Yeah, Pokonomics, that's who I was talking about with Ketchum All. Like, their, yeah, he, their he, Patreon is together with each other. Yeah, yeah, for so. sure. But I think he's just kind of, he just doesn't feel like making videos. I think he he's hit where he wants to within the community. He'll make videos every so often, but I think he gets more, or maybe, maybe he's busy, I don't know. I don't, I'm not on his Patreon, but I think he probably is putting a lot of time in that aspect and because that's where he's making the money than trying to create videos. Yeah, he does a lot for the, you know, him and Dan, catch them all are together. So Dan's really consistent. And then putting out, you know, the Discord and the Patreon news. So I think he does a lot of work on the Discord and Patreon. But yeah, he hasn't been uploading too much. No. Just for his like, yeah. free info. But Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's completely fine. Like, I completely understand from that perspective. You feel like you're, what you wanted to do within the hobby was what you're doing now. So, and uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of it, if you honestly start kind of looking into market histories and if you think about scarcity, if you think about a lot of some big factors with uh, within the hobby, like which sets, looking back, will probably go up in value which which would be good to be buy super low that will definitely go up to i don't know 30 40 bucks or whatever in a couple years those are sorts of things yeah you can go ahead and look it out on your own but the biggest thing that somebody like pokonomics is is he spends a lot of his spare time going through various markets so that's something where and because of that time he spends that allows you to he does the work for you in some ways yeah. um but I, we kind of stick to things that we like, and we kind of stick to that world more than anything. Yeah. So that's why we're not we're not saying like, oh, you should maybe think about getting um, junk evolution slabs because you can get them for like ten bucks sometimes. And that those things within a couple years for a lot, of, especially the OG artwork, is probably going to be like thirty, forty bucks. Yeah. You know, so it's good. Like it's small things like that. Like that that's how you start. And that's that's some knowledge that you can get from being involved in something like Pokonomics. Because when it comes to um, when it comes to being able to buy which cards or what which what because you don't have to spend a thousand dollars to buy an investment card, right? It's gonna be a lot easier for a ten dollar card to become a thirty or forty dollar card than a one thousand dollar card is gonna become a two thousand dollar card. Yeah. So, so there can be a lot more gains with the lower tier, which is something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about or consider. But that's, that's pretty much that's pretty much what 
Dan does catch them all. Yeah. You know, he, he's been buying up Nagaba EVs and grading them. Yep. He's been buying yep. up Celebration Charizards and grading them. Stuff like that. Yep. And yeah, then either you see, margins yeah. are small, but it yep. gets there. There's tons of little plays right now. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see them, those plays still play out. Because you're, you're seeing people that have a lot of liquidity in, in the hobby. Um, yeah, I know this might not seem like, you know, crazy, like, you know, world changing knowledge, because a lot of it you could reach on your own. And in fact, we do ourselves, right? Uh, but what, what you're getting from these people is their experience, especially Dan with, within the hobby. You're getting like his real life experience with he's being able to do these things because he also has such a, a gross when it comes to the ink, how many cards he's grading and all that. Yeah. Pretty much a constant flow is his goal. Whereas with us, even if we like from, at least for me, right. Even if I sold the Lorcana cards at what I want, um, I mean, you're still talking about, it's going to take a long time to get to that point. Cause for me, I can only for something like that, because it's, it does take work. I mean, I couldn't secure more than, a couple grand trying to do something like that personally. Yeah. And that makes it to where it's very difficult. It's not impossible to make money. It's just, you gotta be very smart and very knowledgeable about which areas you go. And are you going more like immediately trying to flip or are you buying as an investment and then flipping and using that as your launching pad to be able to go further? That's For kind sure. of me just speaking out loud. Cause that's kind of where I'm at. Once I sell some of Lorcana and, you know, especially keep on, going up within my job so yep i i thought about you know once i finish my goals could get into more of the money side of it yeah um but yeah it's always been my goals first so i'm in no rush um even with making videos you know it's just only to keep personal interest so i like i like making them but yeah it's just uh just for personal gain or to maintain my personal interest in the hobby yeah. But. See how I would do that flipping would be more with um, if I went the business side, I'd be more to be able to get better cards. Maybe take some of that cash out as it's, it's extraneous income. Like maybe I would take some of that cash, go on a nice vacation or something like that. But ultimately, I would do it to as a side source of income, and that's where all my money within the hobby goes, or that's extraneous money, extra money for whenever I might need it. That's how I would go, and then if I end up getting big time, which I probably wouldn't want to put that much effort into it, that'd be a whole other subject, though, right? Like, over time, but... Yeah, that's basically what I've been doing. Like, a lot of yeah. my collection funding the last three years or so, especially, has just been the same recycling pool of money or mm -hmm. cards. Like, I haven't, I haven't bought a new card since really around the hype with like money that came from outside of the hobby. So a lot of the stuff I bought the last couple years come from stuff that I sold that we sent off to grade during the hype. Um, you know, more stuff came back and like I, I slowly bought more cards with that money. And then like I took all those cards that I bought to collect a con and sold those. And so, yeah, it's been like a revolving door, but now that my goals are finishing up, the 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 way I can do that is starting to shut, so it's becoming more strenuous. Obviously, selling Lorcana would pretty much complete a lot of goals, and I'd ultimately be satisfied with where I'm at and could focus more on the money side of things, but 
I I have to find a way to like jumpstart that again. And it'd probably be in selling my like first editions or gold stars. Mm. I feel like that it would like, I don't want to do that, but then in another way, like I could just buy those cards back eventually and it would start the snowball. That is the money side of the business. But see, you're, we'll see how you've done, excuse me, how you've kind of done it. Um, has made me rethink and reshape how I went about doing things. At first, I was just trying to kill all my binder sets, right? Um, but because of, partially because of listening to you, but also because of individuals, like, kind of seeing, like, what Catch Mall Collectibles and Squeaks was kind of talking about at times, it made me reconsider focusing on the big boys and then the smaller guys. Because, for, just for example, the fact that you can still get base set unlimited for like under 500 bucks, the whole set, I think speaks volumes on that, yes, things will increase in price along with inflation, blah, blah, blah. But the big cards are going to be quicker outside of your price range than the smaller cards will be. Yeah. And, and I, I it, have collected, like I always went for the bigger ones first. Like and even yeah. with binder sets, like I might yeah. I might buy the complete non hollow set all at once, and then for the hollows, I'll start with like the biggest one first and work my way down. Like that that usually does pretty well. Well, what got me into the also is like seeing the prices of like my grails pop, popping up, but try not to track too much. But essentially, now that Lurkana's reaching the point where I, I, I can see the selling and then we're uh, you know we're facing the year with bonus Christmas all that. Um, I know I'm going to get the Mario this year. Yeah. And it's because of the prioritization. Um, it's a whole other episode that I don't want to get too much into, but like basically being able to venture into social media, influ- I don't want to say influence, but social media um, represents even. I, I prefer to call it like that, that actually offers service to the community, can help enlighten your goal focus and priority and reframing your, your perspective even. Whereas it's, which is contradictory to the whatnot streamers and the pack openers yeah. and the modern, the modern specific focus of pack, you know, set or set like any phantom, which I think he's also a pretty good guy. And I actually like his videos, um, but he focuses on, on the modern, like the ultra modern, right? Yeah. So that's that demographic. If you don't care about that, he's not really for you. That's why I just watch him every so often. But I do think he's a generally decent dude. Yeah, for sure. And all these negatives that we've highlighted, um, there's no denying the social media side has helped the hobby. I mean, that's basically where the craze came from. You know, COVID and stimulus has definitely helped, but like a lot of the driving factor was social media and like Logan Paul and, yeah. you know, doing all that. That's, that's undeniable. Um, it's, it's just nice to see the growth for sure, but I pretty much to sum things up i think people are ready to take things a little more seriously and it's like okay like i'm tired of the hype um i think in general we've seen collectors get a little smarter who are actually involved like there are still a lot of people you know going hard on the modern sets and i don't really think that's the best idea but you know like like you and people in your boat who came in around the the hype or early hype and really took the time to get the knowledge and all that stuff. Like those people are getting smarter and 
Like they know what to go after and yeah, I think we're just kind of seeing that now. So, yeah. And I, I think, I mean, for me, my urgency and I think people, other people as well, maybe even to an extent with the Japanese spike was people want these cards before they feel like it gets to the point where it's a price where they can't rationalize paying. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think there's a lot of people that made that jump. But there is just one more aspect that we haven't really discussed um, with social media influencers. So we know how so we talked about how you don't know what somebody's agenda is, what how much how much of a focus is basically just it being the job. Well, there's also being able to try to influence the market with specific cards and the toxicity that can be brought from one influencer over whatever. We don't really see that too much in Pokemon, but it has been a thing before where you can have whole bases, rabid bases, just be just have this hive mind mentality and attack and one in some shape or form, either a person, an object, a business, whatever. We see it in a lot of other forms of social media. And we there it's been a little bit, but not as much. But there's still some of those other negatives that is one of the biggest detriments, in my opinion, to social media. And one of the main reasons you can point to, this is why you don't want to use social media too much. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's got their bubbles. And yeah, that's the biggest downside, like to society, like you said, as a whole. Um, You know, not not picking any sides, but, you know, it goes for all sides. You get, you know, all the. Trump supporters in their own bubble. You get all Biden supporters in their own bubble, and it's equally bad on both sides. All of the leftists, like the leftist, has their own bubble too, and it can be easily because Biden isn't a leftist. But when you have, but to go further, the leftists are just as toxic in some ways with how they attack each other as any other group. Yeah, and then even like the super conservative side, like you know the a lot of people. Which, if you're really heavily leaning one way, it's like, well, why do you say that for? But it, it's, you know, just, we got to look in the mirror. It's happening on all sides, and yeah. people get in their own bubbles. Yeah, We experience that in the Pokemon hobby. We think, like, how is Modern doing this good? Like, why would someone buy that? But well, it's, these are general questions, like actual questions. But, like, attack, say it'd be if we attack people that only collected Ultra Modern, right? Yeah. Like, there is... I don't really see too much of that within the Pokemon hobby, but all it takes is just a couple of somehow some influencers getting into a beef and boom, there you go. Yeah. Get a, get a couple sides versus each other and stuff like that. And they don't realize how stupid they all look fighting over social media influencer on social media, wasting all that time. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom line is everyone's in their own bubble and like we, like we think a good play is a good play because we have like certain knowledge on certain things and like new people don't have that knowledge and think what they're doing is a good play. And a lot of times that's our biggest thing is realizing that we're in our own bubble and surrounded by people who are knowledgeable in the hobby and the average person is not. So that's the biggest thing we have to focus on. But I really try to be mindful of that, um, you know, trying to look to the outside and see what the normal person looks like. 
But yeah, you definitely got to be aware of your own bubbles for sure. It helps you out and it, it makes you a better person for others mm. too. But anyway, though, let's wrap up the old social media talk. Yep. Um, I'm sure those things, you know, we got an election year coming up. <laughs> those Wonderful. things are, Can't those wait. things are going to be even more evident. So just be, yeah. just be aware of your bubbles, people. How much the media, like this is where questioning where the media is coming from. They, it's amplified. Yeah. You all of a sudden you hear these, you know, you start seeing these propaganda based stories or, you know, issues. And I don't say issues, but stories that are, you have created or this perspective or something that's trying to be spun a certain way. And it's, oh my God, you just feel like the world's about to end. It's just nonstop. <laughs> and we see, we see it in Pokemon. We see the propaganda in Pokemon, like Scarlet and Violet is here. This is the best set ever. These cards look amazing with the silver borders. Look at this, look at this, look at this. It's like, is it the best set ever? <laughs> or is that Pokemon paying to hype it up? Yeah. Like that's where the pe- perspective is it, comes in. Like, is it just you trying to... Give me the biggest old face you can just so I click on your video so you get the ad revenue. Like, is it? <laughs> you know, you just got to be aware. Or like the best uh, DC movie since The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. That, that literally gets pushed around for every DC movie nowadays. And it became a big meme after the the bust that was The Flash. But I, I enjoyed it. But I, it was still a huge box office bomb. But that's that's what we're talking about. All of a sudden, these random articles you start seeing on your feed, whatever it may be, of uh, just this perspective, and you just have to kind of look at. It. And all of a sudden, people's biases are just like, "No, it's like this." I, I do think you do have. It seems like to me, after twenty twenty, you had a lot of people kind of remove themselves from social media. Yeah, for sure. So, and I, I that that's a big reason, and I think it's for the best for anybody that does it. But you also people go further into their escapist um, hobbies, Pokemon included. Yeah, for sure. I guess with that, though, that'll wrap up the old main topic. Let's real quickly tap into a couple questions here. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up. So what do you have on the old question? Mine's a... I think mine's a pretty good one. It's obviously based off of our topic. It's how will the aging of the hobby change the dynamic between the social media influencer and the hobby enthusiast? Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and like say my question too, because I feel like we okay. hit on it, but I also feel okay. like it goes into your question too. Okay. So mine was like, yeah, in like 40, 50 years, like how do you see like the mainstream social media around Pokemon B. Um, so yeah, it's basically the same, I feel, but I feel like as we get it's older, a different. it's a little different because you're going further. I'm talking the next like 10 to 15 years, mainly. Um, yeah. You're talking long, long term. Um, I, yeah, I think it we'll still similar. see like these channels do the same tactics. We will see, you know, more of a broad spectrum kind of like sports card investor for the, mm-hmm. the sports world. You know, it's not just his YouTube channel. It's it's a business. It's his YouTube channel. He has multiple employees making different styles of videos. He has an app. He does card shows. Like, it's it's a more broad business rather than a single YouTube channel. Um, we're already seeing Leonhart kind of do that with Rare Candy. 
He's built a rare candy team where they do auctions. They have a rare candy competitive team where like he has a team of people who compete in events. They, they were represented at worlds. So it's, it's kind of like esports. you know, they're, they're making teams for Pokemon and ultimately a business out of those teams. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, I think it's going to be, if you really want a quick answer, I mean, I really just think look at sports and what it's doing today. You see these guys walking around card shows with 10,000 plus cards doing deals. I think that's, that's casual sports right now. I mean, it's, it's not a big deal for a sport card to be that expensive. Pokemon, it's relatively new still. It's only been around 25, a little more years. And I think that's going to be us in the future. Like a lot of kids today, they don't really care too much about sports cards. It's still doing very well, like sports cards. And there is a lot of interest in it. But I mean, not as much as Pokemon. And I don't know. It's, I think it's going to, Pokemon is going to be becoming more of a presence in those situations, I feel like. I don't think sports is in any sort of jeopardy with the younger generation because the younger generation she, she, she seems to trend towards individual players that they want to support. Um, and there's a lot of money involved. Again, key thing, a lot of money. That means you're, it's always going to bring in new people. Um, now, not getting to the issues of it, but and a lot of people will also go from Pokemon to sports. And now, will they stick with sports or kind of do both? Um, that kind of depends. So I do think the aging of the hobby will make at least a certain age demographic not be prone to certain things within social media influencers. But there's also going to be more niches within the hobby because of there's a generational gap. So you're, I think you could have the younger generation potentially have some of those same issues but at the same time, now this is just anecdotal, but I know a few teachers and one of the things that I couldn't help but notice that they said were some of Gen Alpha, so that's the youngest gen, that's like under age 10. They question, again, anecdotal, they question Gen Z's obsession with TikTok, for example. So you have, it seems like, different social media platforms emerge as the generations change. Like with our generation, what do you have? Instagram, Facebook, Reddit. Well, I mean, you know, we were there from the beginning, MySpace. We were literally there during the beginning. Um, but with some of these other apps, what's the main ones that you can spell for Gen Z? It is TikTok. Yeah. So you kind of have to wonder, will there be somehow a different? I, this seems to be not possible, right? I feel like we've hit every single possible utility you could get. But who knows? Will there be another platform which would bring in people that's even more predatory? And I think there's there, there's definitely a real possibility of that. Yeah, there will be something. Um, back in the day, like when, you know, there was like Bebo and MySpace and like then Facebook came along. It's like, well, what's going to be after Facebook? But, you know, we're, we're getting to the point now where people are kind of getting tired of that. They just pick one. And I remember yep. when Vine went out and like, yeah. You know, was gone. And I remember hearing about TikTok 
And I was like, oh yeah, that's like the next big app. That's, there's no, like Vine went away and there's no short form content. Like Mm. I heard about TikTok. I'm like, that's a no brainer. That's going to be the next big app. And looking back, I mean, I should have capitalized on that maybe with like content, but it's like, I I was just never interested in that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's going to be the next big thing. Not really for me, but whatever. Um, so yeah, even TikTok was filling a void of Vine. So it's like, yeah, are we entering a period where like something has to go away for something else to kick in or what? But yeah, I I feel pretty comfortable saying what it'd be like in the 10 years with basically those companies forming and getting bigger and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, down the road, I mean, who knows? We just have seen so much change in this short period of time. Who knows what's in store? And it's, it's very interesting that they're doing this because I don't know the details. I remember when Leonhart was talking about it with this team he was going to make. I don't know the details of that sponsorship, but sponsorship usually means we're going to get their money back at, at some point. Um, or more than just the exposure of their channel. And I wonder if they win something, if a certain, if the card has to be sold. Like if they if somebody places, yeah. if the card has to be sold because that, that's a part of the deal. You get you get get to travel there, you get to have all these amenities, but if you win something big, now the money might be but might be yours, but like the card goes to the above essentially back to the sponsorship. I wouldn't be surprised if that if that something like that could begin happening, um, and that starts becoming trend. I can see like you know Pokey Rabbit. It's a very unique thing, but it also builds exposure to the TCG too, to the competitive side. Yeah, for sure. Guess with that, uh, just, though, have you got anything uh, else to say? Yeah, I was just going to say just one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Uh, be five more, but no, seriously. Uh, no, so I, just to kind of finalize what I was saying, I, I think as people age, they will potentially get more critical of information. Now, you're always going to have kind of the less educated aspect that struggles with critical thinking to be able to think like, you know, don't trust your confirmation bias. And I do think the younger generation appears like the youngest generation appears to be potentially better suited for that. But even some of Gen Z is more critical of what that information is. Whereas you have even millennials has it too. Like where you just like, Oh, believe it. It's worse with the older generations. The millennials just whatever. It's probably not true, you know? Um, But it is there within our generation. And Gen C seems to be more critical of that in some aspects. I wonder if that will extend to to the hobby aspect with Pokemon, if they will age. But I think there's going to have to be some sort of... um, There's going to be a standard within the hobby, essentially, that has to be understood. This relationship that will be created once it's been around long enough. Just like the business relationships of giving your service and knowledge for something. I wouldn't be surprised as you see what not become more regulatory with the rules if that's going to be one of those things where essentially a purge style, <laughs> a purge style situation occurs on social media that basically cancels that person. Yeah. Yeah, there's one positive of the younger generations, more skeptical. Um, even had the, the sister-in-law who's Gen Z tell me it was the other day, like talking, I was playing some of my music and 
you know, of course I have like quite the ride variety more than most, but she's like, man, like songs from your generation were like had character. They were like different. And like, <laughs> so begins kind of, kind of playing at like all the stuff that is made now sounds the same. It's and true though. She was like, yeah, looking outside the box of her generation even. So they're, that's their attitude for everything. It's like, why do people like that? Like, they're looking at the reasons why and like digging into it and they are skeptical about everything even more so than we are. So I think, yeah, I think the way to do YouTube in the future, I think everyone should ultimately like having an audience in the future is going to be like huge. It already is huge, but like people and potentially an AI driven world, you know, hundred years from now, like just having an online presence is going to be a big thing. And a lot of people, there's going to be like an exponential growth of YouTube channels. Maybe they're not all hundred thousand subscribers, but an exponential growth of like a thousand to 5,000 sub channels that have just a small village, um, following them. And, you know, it's not big numbers to, make a living off of but it's their own bubble people are creating their own bubbles like we talked about and i think that's a good thing if you're if you're real with that um doing genuine videos and not going over the top and stuff like that and i don't know i think people are craving more of that stuff and are more likely to connect to it in the future because they don't they don't want to feel like an object or they don't want to feel like this video has been manipulated just to like trigger your brain. Yeah. I do think with a lot of the informational age, it's finally been, it's easier to discover things, right? I mean, yes, you can take advantage of it with, uh, I mean, misinformation, but a lot of things that were more difficult to find, um, the information on like in the mid to late two thousands, is, is now easier for folks to, to learn. It's easier just to, like, I remember when Wikipedia became a thing, right? That was like, I, w- I was in high school when that, be- oh, I, I, I know, I know, but I was in high school. <laughs> and, uh, but no, it's, I mean, Wikipedia is just one of the many different things I'm, I'm referring to. Some to, you can really, really learn about maybe some of this sketchiness that, like, some of our government has been involved in some of the terrible things they've done to societies and countries around the world. And you start to question, why are we still doing this? You know, yeah. I remember in the mid two thousands, whenever I watch a documentary on like the war on drugs and, you know, some of the other situations with, uh, all the coups that, that, that were a thing that our, our government p- played a role in. And that was whenever, if I talked about it, it sounded like a conspiracy theory to a lot of people back then. But, you know, I was in high school t- talking about these things and you were now, woke, bro. I mean, obviously, <laughs> but it would, it would always like, I was seriously talking about the war on drugs in like 2006, 2007. And it's funny how some of my friends think I've, you know, I post too much about left leaning politics, but it's like, well, I was always left leaning, bro. <laughs> like, I, I come from a descendant of somebody who, you know, a, a grandparent who basically supported JFK in, in, in the area, you know. So it's, I mean, it comes from like a long line. But anyways, the 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 whole the whole point is, is it's easier to find this information, and 
find like, this because you come from that background though you're in you've been in the bubble and you've been influenced by that bubble i have been within the bubble but i've also removed myself from said bubbles yeah completely so it's so i i know it from within and i know it from outside but anyways the whole point i was i was getting at was oh no i've distracted from the point <laughs> <laughs> um well people will get it we know where we yeah. are headed yeah yeah but whatever <laughs> all right well let's wrap it up there guys we'll catch you in a couple weeks for the next episode we're gonna sit down and probably cover some topics um kind of plan out a few episodes ahead because now that go fest is over and worlds is over um we should be good to plan out a few more without any interruptions and we'll let you guys know what we decide but yeah i guess that'll be it and we'll catch you in the next one peace see you next time bye <laughs> whoa Ciao, my God. open right now <laughs> <laughs>